The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. And on tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about malicious malfunctions and the utterly undead. I'm your host, Otis Gyrie, And tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Matthias Travieso Diaz and Matt Scott, our voice talents Eric Peabody, Nick Gorov, and Olivia Steele. Now, get your ticket ready, take your seat in our theater of the minds, and brace yourself. It's time... Turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale this evening is written by Matthias Travieso Diaz 
and is performed by Eric Peabody and Olivia Steele. In it, a technological glitch turns a young man's Halloween celebration into a parade of horrors. Now, without further ado, I present to you A Mask for Every Mood. A Mask for Every Mood by Matias Travieso Diaz. The mask that concealed the visage was made so nearly to resemble the countenance of a stiffened corpse that the closest scrutiny must have had difficulty in detecting the cheat. E. A. Poe, The Mask of the Red Death. This thing is malfunctioning again, shouted Eric, pounding the controls of the neurostimulator. Little by little, the youth's limbic system lumbered into action, and the physiological markers of anger started to manifest themselves. Increases in heart rate, arterial tension, and testosterone production. However, the silicone mask covering Eric's face still displayed an incongruous smile. Eric's mother urged him to calm down. You must learn to control that temper of yours. Instead of screaming, you should take your IPG to the service center. Maybe the batteries are weak. I hope they won't have to muck with the lead. You know how long the lines are at the center? Everybody and his brothers having problems with this system. It's too complicated. What can we do? We all have got the virus. She lamented. Damned virus! Eric continued to scream beneath the still-smiling mask. At least this new gift from China doesn't kill people. Not usually. She replied, prodding him again. Okay, get going. Have them also look at the mask links. The nearest service center of the Healthtronics Corporation was in a suite of rooms in a mega mall a short ride away from Eric's home. The center had a main room with a long counter and numerous uncomfortable chairs. There was also a back room where repairs were made. The main room was full of waiting customers, some of them milling about impatiently. Eric approached the counter and pulled a number from a dispenser. 137 read the paper ticket. An illuminated display on the back wall read, Now serving 92. Ah... <sighs> moaned the youth. It would be a couple of hours' wait. He picked up a pamphlet from an open display box and sat down to kill a few minutes reading. He read, The virus affecting the world population is a new strain, HSV-4, of the herpes simplex virus. Starting in Asia last spring, HSV-4 reached every continent in a matter of weeks. Like other herpes varieties, HSV-4 is highly infectious and transmits through bodily fluids, especially saliva. It can also spread through blood and semen during sexual content, blood transfusions, and objects that an infected person recently used. HSV-4 distinguishes itself from earlier HSV strains in that it affects a victim's nervous system. The virus lodges itself in the brain and interferes with the body's control functions. Healthcare professionals worldwide strive to understand HSV-4 and develop a vaccine to eradicate it. No cure has been found yet, but the healthcare industry, led by Healthtronics Corporation, has launched an all-out program to mitigate the virus's effects. 
Taking a clue from Parkinson's disease treatment strategies, Healthtronics has developed a Deep Brain Stimulation System DBSS, intended to bring back into action an inoperative limbic system. The DBSS is installed by drilling tiny holes in the skull of a patient, inserting miniature electrodes into the affected region deep on the back of the brain, and running wires through the neck down to the collarbone to connect the electrodes to a battery-operated implantable pulse generator IPG, control center similar to a pacemaker. DBS systems have five main components. 1. Lead this is a tiny wire surgically implanted into the brain area that is to be activated. Electrical stimulation flows to the brain through the lead. 2. Implantable Pulse Generator IPG. Also called the Neurostimulator, the IPG is the heart of the DBSS. Upon acquisition of the device, a trained clinician programs the IPG to deliver electrical stimulation for the patient in an amount and rate determined by the degree of viral infection. 3. Extension Wire This connects the lead to the IPG. 4. Remote Control Unit A handheld device, like those used to control home appliances. While the IPG operates automatically, a patient can control, speed up or slow down, the rate at which electrical stimuli are fed to his or her brain. Frequent use of the remote control unit to modify the IPG's operation is not recommended. 5. Rechargeable or non-rechargeable batteries for the IPG Rechargeable batteries can stay in place for many years but need periodic recharging. Non-rechargeable batteries last, on average, three to five years and require surgical replacement. Your physician will be able to prescribe the type and model of DBSS that is most suitable for your clinical condition and your preferences. Whatever system you choose, trained personnel at the service centers of the Healthtronics Corporation will provide efficient and competent assistance to ensure your device operates optimally. A note on masks. A side effect of infection with HSV-4 is the irreversible cessation of electrical stimuli from the limbic system to the facial nerve that controls the muscles in a person's face. The lack of such stimuli causes facial paralysis and some speech difficulty. Many persons affected by HSV-4 find these side effects intolerable and seek mitigating measures. Several vendors manufacture latex or silicone rubber masks designed to be pulled over the head as a form of theatrical makeup or disguise. Those masks can be outfitted with electronic devices to receive signals from an IPG directly or through the remote control unit. If this is done, they are marketed as smart masks intended to alleviate facial paralysis. Healthtronics does not manufacture or sell smart masks. It does, however, manufacture remote control units that have been enhanced, following mask manufacturer specifications, to provide the ability to control the motion of portions of those masks to simulate the actions of a person's facial muscles. A person experiencing a strong emotion will receive electrical impulses from the IPG that will stimulate the person's limbic system. At the same time, if a modified IPG is in use, the IPG will transmit impulses to a receptor in the mask, 
causing it to send impulses to some of the buttons, which will heat up and expand the mask areas corresponding to the muscles that the emotion would activate. If necessary, the wearer of the mask pressing the appropriate buttons in the remote control unit would achieve the same result. The Healthtronic service centers will perform maintenance on modified IPG remote control units. They will be unable, however, to service the receptor on a mask or address other problems with the mechanisms in the mask itself. Customers should contact the mask manufacturer in connection with those problems. The technician who waited on Eric was sympathetic, but unable to render all his required help. The batteries on your IPG were weak, and we've recharged them, so they're now fine. The device sends the intended electrical impulses to your brain and masks even as we speak. The lack of synchronicity you're experiencing between your emotional state and your mask displays may result from a malfunctioning of the mask's receptor or a defect in manufacturing the mask. Such problems rarely occur, but they're not impossible. A person experiencing those difficulties should contact the outfit that provided the mask or the mask's manufacturer. This advice was bad news for Eric. He had purchased the mask online from a discounter chain, and getting satisfaction from them might be difficult. The mask manufacturers were probably in South Korea or Taiwan. Contacting them would also be impractical. For the time being, he was stuck with a defective mask and would have to live with it or buy another one. But masks were expensive, and his mom did not have that kind of money. His lack of choices upset him. The physiological phenomena associated with his feelings were those of a saddened person, but the mask he wore showed energized dilator nares and depressor septi muscles, making him appear angry at the startled clerk, who crouched, for Eric was a hulking young man. Eric turned around and walked away, embarrassed at his unwittingly elicited reaction. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The problems with Eric's mask could not have cropped up at a worse time. 
He was in the first semester of his freshman year of college and could not afford to have his nervous system go awry while he was attending school. Moreover, it was the end of October and there were Halloween-related parties he wanted to attend. Halloween had always been his favorite holiday, for he loved to dress up and pretend he was a pirate, a swordsman, or a vampire. He could have taken off the mask when he attended this year's parties or went trick-or-treating, but doing so would have left him with a paralyzed poker face that made him look stupid. So, his only choice was to continue to wear the mask and hope for the best. The first event he wished to attend was a rush costume party at a fraternity Eric hoped to pledge. The chapters of Delta Upsilon Delta, commonly known as The Dudes, were notorious for holding wild drinking parties, rumored to degenerate into orgies frequently. Eric had started drinking only a year before and had not graduated from 3.2 beer, so he was anxious to attend this party and partake of previously untasted alcoholic beverages. To impress his potential fraternity brothers, he selected an eye-catching outfit from one of the world's most famous horror stories. He wrapped himself in a funeral shroud, covering himself from head to foot, minus the traditional hood leaving his mask-covered face visible. He had generously sprinkled ketchup on his tunic and pants and even a few drops on the mask, so he appeared to have just come from a hard day at a butcher's shop. He walked into the party with slow, sliding steps to complete the ghastly image. He talked to nobody until he reached the refreshments table, whereupon he seized a plastic cup filled with a clear liquid and drew a generous gulp intending to savor the liquor and lick his lips appreciatively. Eric was unprepared for the intense burning sensation he experienced as the cheap vodka coursed through his throat and into his chest. He began coughing loudly and, for a moment, felt like he was choking. He experienced a brief wave of panic. His IPG signaled his nervous system to turn into fear mode, and he clasped his throat with his right hand to alleviate the discomfort. At the same time, his mask conductor activated the lip corner polar muscle, zygomaticus major, and the dimple muscle, buccinator, spots in the mask, making him assume an expression of profound disgust. His reaction to the drink was noticed by the knot of invitees and fraternity brothers roaming around the refreshment area, causing them to break into derisive laughter, followed by sarcastic remarks about the plebe's distress over a sip of vodka. One of the brothers presiding over the event exclaimed, Boy, you came to the wrong party. We have no room among the dudes for someone who doesn't like liquor. Eric went through a rapid stream of emotions, shame, anger, frustration, and disappointment, which his IPG faithfully conveyed to the youth's nervous system. At the same time, the conductor in his mask elicited a series of overlapping, convulsing facial motions and twitches that added to the audience's mirth and resulted in a circle gathering around Eric, laughing at his discomfort. Someone said, He looks like he's having a heart attack. After which, one of the fraternity brothers seized Eric's shoulder and gently guided him toward the restroom. Are you okay? Asked the host. 
Eric wanted to explain that he was having problems with his mask, but felt that doing so would come across as a lame excuse for his breakdown. He whispered, Yes, I'm fine, thanked his rescuer and rushed away from the party. He had never felt so mortified, yet his mask registered an ecstatic expression. Second on Eric's list for the evening was a party being held by one of his childhood friends, Charlie Mason. Charlie was the beneficiary of a well-endowed trust fund set up by his late grandfather, so he didn't have to worry about working for a living. Instead, Charlie threw great parties attended by persons of all sexes and persuasions out to have a good time. Alcohol and drugs were plentiful at those events, which usually lasted until the morning of the following day. Eric had attended a couple of Charlie's parties and, in one of them, had lost his virginity to a Nicaraguan exchange student named Giomara. Consequently, he was looking forward to the opportunity for a repeat performance with Giomara or some other beauty, foreign or domestic. He had rushed to get away from the dudes. He was panting from exertion when he arrived at Charlie's apartment, which was full of young people in various stages of intoxication from drugs or alcohol, jumping and shaking to the brutal sounds of metal rock blasting out of Charlie's stereo system. Eric went to the kitchen, poured himself a coke, and returned to the dance floor, where he nearly collided with a voluptuous blonde who was gyrating by herself near the front door. Hi, he greeted. I'm Eric. I'm Olivia, responded the girl in a drawl that was accentuated by substance abuse. What are you doing just like a corpse from the morgue? Inquired the girl, placing a probing hand on Eric's shrouded chest and moving it downwards. Oh, it's a long story, began Eric, his IPG starting to fan the flames of arousal in his limbic system. However, his mask suggested something like dread, for Olivia stopped her hand's motion and asked, alarmed, What's the matter? Don't you like it? Of course I do, replied Eric quickly. Don't stop! But seeing the increasing terror reflected in the mask, Olivia stopped. Her face displayed a knowing smile a moment later. Oh, you haven't done this before, have you? Without more, she took Eric by the hand and dragged him into Charlie's bedroom, which was luckily unoccupied. She closed the door, knelt before him, and got hold of his penis. Eric's hypothalamus was instantly stimulated, and the touch of Olivia's hands prompted an immediate erection. Again, his mask registered a totally different, inconsistent set of emotions, fear and displeasure. Olivia let go of Eric's member and stood up. It doesn't look like you're ready for this. She observed acidly, getting ready to go. Please stay, begged Eric, but the contradictory signals he was sending out were too much for the girl. She opened the bedroom door and walked out before he could attempt to explain his predicament. After his second disaster of the evening, Eric realized he had a problem. The systems he had in place to address the effects of the viral infection were in constant conflict. 
It was as if the IPG and the mask's receptor were battling each other for control of his emotions, with disastrous consequences. He had the urge to remove the mask to prevent any future misapprehensions of his emotions, but at the same time, he felt naked without a mask in place. Deep in thought, he left Charlie's party and started the long walk back home. His neighborhood was full of families with children, and Eric kept running into groups of kids going door to door to demand holiday treats. He felt disappointed at not having yet done his share of trick-or-treating and resolved to do some himself around the neighborhood before calling it a day. He arrived at his apartment, rummaged through the pantry, and found a grocery store bag. Holding it, he went out again, not allowing his mother to ask any questions. As Eric emerged onto the street, the rational part of his brain began raising objections. Wasn't he way too old to be out trick-or-treating? Wasn't it getting too late in the evening to be knocking on doors? Wasn't the outfit he was wearing sort of scary? Shouldn't he just go back home? Drawn by an irresistible impulse, Eric stifled all concerns, approached a house, and knocked. Trick-or-treat! he demanded. A voice from behind the door replied with asperity, Go home, it's after nine, you should be in bed. He felt a crimson sheet rise behind his eyelids at being disrespected. The house had a garden in front with plots of geraniums and gladioli. Eric went over and seized a rock the size of an apple from one of the plots, hurled it at the closed door, and moved on. Here's a trick for you, he muttered. He got no answer at the next three houses he approached, even though in each case the lights were still on inside. With each failure, his indignation at the outrages of this terrible day went up a notch. These houses had no plots from which to draw missiles, so he had to go away fuming, his bag still empty. Someone opened the door at the fifth house. It was an enfeebled man, bent with age, holding a sack of Skittles and Reese's Pieces. He was digging into the sack to take out some candy when he looked up and saw what appeared to be a menacing giant covered by a bloody shroud. The man uttered a small cry and slammed the door closed. Eric began banging on the door furiously. Trick or treat! he shouted. After a while, the door reopened and the old man reappeared, armed with a shotgun, finger on the trigger. Go away, you fiend, or I'll shoot! Eric was startled by the sight of a shotgun aimed at him and reacted with an alacrity that, later on, he would find surprising. He jumped into the hallway and tried to wrestle the shotgun out of the old man's hands. The man's grip was surprisingly strong for somebody his age, but suddenly he let go of the gun and fell to the floor where he lay clutching his chest. Help! I'm having a heart attack, cried out the man, shaking with pain. Eric stood above the man, bewildered. What to do? His first impulse was to assist his attacker or call for help. Then he had a second thought. If the police found him in the house, he would probably get arrested. Also, if the man could describe his costume, he was a goner, since half the city had seen him wearing it. 
He didn't want this dreadful evening to end that way. He walked around the man, intending to run away from the house when his pent-up emotions caught up with him, and he began retching, feeling a sudden need to throw up. He turned around, went further into the house, and found a bathroom where he vomited the contents of his stomach in a series of painful bursts. He turned to the sink and sought to clean himself up. Looking in the vanity mirror, he noticed that his mask showed an expression of shock, confusion, and fear that matched his feelings. He was startled by the change. All day, his IPG had been sending the right emotional signals to the converter, but the converter had been causing wrong emotional clues to be displayed by the mask. That being the case, the two devices should have never been in agreement. Unless... He extracted the remote control unit from his shirt and examined it carefully. He hadn't used it before visiting the service center earlier. What if the technician had missed something wrong with that device? Looking closely, he noticed that one of the keys on the right side of the unit, those used to send signals to the converter, was slightly depressed. Experimentally, he pressed and released the key time and again. The mask went through a series of changes that mimicked emotions he did not feel. Pain, sadness, elation. It then changed back to shock, which matched his current state of mind. He stopped pressing, and the mask continued to reflect his current emotion. Oops, he thought. Maybe all my heartaches could have been avoided. Damn that guy. Back in the hallway, Eric emptied the sack of candy into his grocery bag without glancing at the man writhing on the floor. He told himself, My bag's almost empty, but I have enough loot for tonight. Gotta get moving. But first, I must get help. Again, he thought of calling 911, and once more, he resisted the impulse. Letting a man die unassisted was in keeping with the inhuman persona he had assumed this Halloween and was a newfound callousness that would dictate his actions in the future. No more Mr. Nice Guy. He returned home, trying to master a feeling of dread at the irrevocable change in the course of his life. His unease was now reflected in the mask's expressions. I hope you enjoyed A Mask for Every Mood, as written by Matthias Travieso Diaz and performed by Eric Peabody and Olivia Steele. Olivia Steele is a voice actress who loves the spoopy side of things. Her talents vary between gameplay, live stream archives, singing, and other voice-related things. As a reminder, you can hear more of Eric Peabody over at the Creepy Podcast by visiting www.creepypod.com. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. 
you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Our second tale of the evening is written by Matt Scott and is performed by Nick Goroff and Olivia Steele. So without any further ado, I present to you Zombie or not zombie. I'll be the first to admit that I'm not what you or anyone would call a productive member of society. I've never held a steady job. I don't see the point in wasting money on college for a degree I'm never going to use. And I barely graduated high school. I enjoy doing what I do. I spend my days watching TV, playing video games, and getting drunk in my mom's basement. What's the point in getting a job anyway? It's not like I need money for anything. I live in my mom's house that she inherited from my grandfather that he had already paid off when he was still alive, so there's no mortgage payment. And my mom buys all the food I need and whatever else I ask her to get. Why would I want to spend my days working at a job I hate when I can just sleep and do whatever else I want? I suppose one could make the argument that it would be embarrassing to bring a woman over to my mom's house to have sex, but I don't really see the need for dating either. If I get horny enough, I just watch some porn, and then five minutes later I'm good again. No awkward after-sex conversations or trying to get her to leave afterwards. I just either go back to watching TV or fall asleep. My life is perfect. Correction. Was perfect. Everything changed for me the other day. I'm still not quite sure how, but... Everything seemed to go to hell pretty quick. The day started out just like any other. I woke up, played some video games, ate breakfast, and then went back to playing video games. Everything was going great until my mom started nagging me from upstairs. Frank? She called down. I didn't answer her. I was too busy strategizing my next combat move and trying not to get killed by other players. Frank? She yelled again, louder this time. What? I yelled back upstairs, not bothering to take my eyes off the battlefield I was in and barely even paying any attention to her. I'm going out to run some errands, she shouted. While I'm gone, I want you to vacuum upstairs and put the dishes away. 
I groaned in response. Why did I have to do anything? This was her house. If she wanted it clean, then she should just fucking clean it and leave me alone. Did you hear me? She called down. Yeah, I heard you. I shouted back up at her. Get it done. She yelled back. I don't ask much of you, but if you're going to live here for free, the least you can do is help out around the house. The least I could do would be fucking nothing. I muttered to myself. I'll be back in a while. She called out again. I grunted in response and returned my full attention back to the game I was playing. Needless to say, I didn't clean the house or do anything my mom had asked. In fact, I hadn't gotten up at all since she left. At some point I turned off the game and rolled back onto my bed and fell asleep for a while. When I woke up, it was late afternoon. I decided I had better go take a piss and then grab something to eat from the kitchen. Hey mom, what'd you get for us to eat? I shouted as I walked up the stairs from my basement room to the kitchen. My mom didn't answer me. Mom? I asked again. There was still no answer. I looked out into the driveway and saw her car parked there, so I knew she had to be home. Fuck it. I opened the fridge and grabbed some lunch meat to make myself a sandwich. When I closed the door, I saw my mom walking towards me, and I let the lunch meat fall to the floor. Fucking hell! I yelled in shock. My mom was hideous. Her skin looked rotted. Her eyes were milky white, and when she spoke, a low moan came from her throat. Stay back, Mom! I yelled as I backed away from her. The thing that used to be my mom groaned and reached her gross, decaying arms out towards me. I said, stay away from me! I shouted again. As my hand felt around the kitchen counter, never once taking my eyes off her. My hand grasped the hilt of something, and without looking to see what it was, I swung it towards my mother's head. The kitchen knife stuck out of my mother's forehead as she staggered backwards, an almost confused look on her disgusting face as she uttered another low groan. Quickly, I stepped back and began rummaging through the kitchen drawers. A feeling of excitement crept over me as I spotted the meat cleaver and grabbed it. Without waiting for my mother to recover, I brought the cleaver down on my mother's head over and over again until it was split down to her nose. She was finally dead. Well, dead, dead. I had destroyed her brain. Anyone who's ever seen a zombie movie or played a video game knows that it's the only sure way to kill a zombie. I backed away from my mother's corpse until my back was against the wall and then slowly slid to the ground. What have I done? I thought to myself. My mom is dead. My mom is dead and I killed her. No. I told myself, no, I didn't kill her. She was already dead. Something else killed her and turned her into a flesh-eating zombie. I did what I had to do 
Otherwise, I'd be dead too. Several thoughts went through my head at once. Who turned my mom into a zombie? How long did it take for her to turn? How many more of them were there? Banging at the front door caught my attention and snapped me out of my thoughts. Cautiously, I made my way over to the door and slowly moved my head close enough to look through the peephole. Christ almighty, I whispered out loud to no one. At least three zombies, all males, as far as I could tell, were making their way towards the outside of my door. I jumped back when one of them began pounding on the door, groaning loudly. I quickly slid the deadbolt on the other two locks on the door in place. They're everywhere, I thought to myself. I backed away from the door, trying to think about what to do next. I made run for the basement. I know what to do. I have to stop this as much as I can. I thought to myself, as I got to the basement floor and made my way to the door at the back of my room. I have to save whoever I can. I opened the door and a wave of relief washed over me as I looked at the wide array of guns and ammunition that was displayed before me. My grandfather had been a huge gun advocate and a bit of a conspiracy nut when he was alive. At least I thought he was a nut at the time. Now, I was just glad he had stockpiled the basement with so many weapons. I knew that I had to be practical. AK-47s may be able to shoot a lot of rounds, but they were heavy to carry. I didn't want to have to worry about wasting bullets. I figured I could always come back for those guns later, if I needed to. I grabbed a standard 9mm and was able to hold 20 rounds of ammo plus one in the chamber for a total of 21 shots until I would need to reload a new clip. Ammunition was going to be the key here, not the number of guns I could carry. This wasn't like the movies, where the hero looked cool shooting a gun in each hand. That wasn't practical or realistic. It was smarter to have one gun and as many clips of spare ammo that I could carry with me. I tucked the 9mm into the waistband of my pants, two clips of ammo forward in each of my front pockets, as well as one more in each of my back pockets for a total of six ammo clips. That was the total of 147 bullets, including the clip already loaded. I also loaded a 12-gauge shotgun with six rounds and dumped a whole case of ammo for it into a small backpack that was also in the room. The 9mm was good, but I wanted to bring something extra that packed a more powerful blast in case I needed it. I threw a few more clips for the 9mm into the backpack as well, along with three grenades that my grandfather had stored there. Those were definitely going to be for an emergency-only scenario. I stared at the beautiful Colt Python 357 Magnum that I was leaving behind. But again, it wouldn't be practical to take it. It had a kind of powerful kick to it and could do some real damage, but it could only hold six shots. 
and took a long time to empty spent bullets and reload new ones. No. I would leave here along with the AK-47s. Could always come back later. Right now, I needed speed and accuracy to be on my side. I heard the banging at the front door from upstairs getting louder and louder and realized that more zombies must be trying to get in. This is where the shotgun would come in handy. I grabbed the backpack and slung it over my shoulders and ran upstairs. I stopped in front of the door and took several deep breaths before slowly sliding back the deadbolt and unlocking the door. Then I quickly threw open the door, raised the shotgun and fired. An explosion of blood and gore was spattered on the grass as the zombie closest to me had been thrown backwards by the blast. The now nearly headless body lying still as blood pulsed from the wound. Yes! I shouted out loud. Headshot! A loud groan made me turn to my left as what used to be a large black man reached out for me. Shit! I said as I raised the shotgun up quickly while pulling the trigger just as the zombie grabbed me. The blast blew off the top of the zombie's head, leaving only his lower jaw and wagging tongue still attached to his neck. I pushed the corpse off of me and got to my feet as fast as I could. Double shit! I shouted as another zombie was coming towards me more quickly than I would have thought as I pulled the trigger. I thought the zombie almost looked angry at me. But then again, it was a zombie, and it wanted to eat my flesh, so who cares if it looked angry or not? I aimed for its head and pulled the trigger. The top left portion of the zombie man's head was blown off, exposing parts of his brain tissue before it fell to his knees, and then crumpled to the ground. I turned to see several more zombies clustered in a group not far from me. Damn it, I thought to myself as I quickly slid the backpack off of my shoulders and rummaged through it. My hand closed around one of the grenades, and I pulled the pin. Pull the pin, count to five. I thought to myself, remembering what my grandfather had taught me about them. Or was it three? Fuck it, I said out loud as I threw the grenade at the group of zombies. The explosion sent the body sprawling to the ground. The ones that had been closest to the grenade had damage done to their legs, exposing bloody tissue and bone. They continued to groan and crawl along the ground. I pulled out the 9mm and walked up to each one of them and put a bullet in their heads as they looked up at me. I could almost imagine that their moans were pleas of help. I'm sorry, I said as I squeezed the trigger. I counted seven bodies around me, counting my mother and the three zombies I killed in front of my house. That brought the total to eleven. I turned around when I heard the familiar wailing of a police siren. Oh, thank God, I thought as I made my way over to the police car as it stopped in front of me. My heart dropped when I saw a zombified police officer exit the vehicle. Motherfucker! I shouted as I raised the shotgun to fire gunshot rang through the air and an excruciating pain came from my knee as I dropped to the ground. Fuck! I screamed as I looked at the bleeding wound in my leg. 
Freeze! I heard the zombie cop shout out as it raised its gun at me. It shot me. The fucking zombie had actually shot me. Drop your weapons, it shouted as it moved closer to me. Stay on the ground. I began to raise my shotgun again when a thought suddenly screamed in my mind. Zombies don't talk. More information began to flood my brain. They also don't shoot guns or drive cars. The zombie police officer slowly walked closer to me as I heard it speak again. Really speak. Do not move, it shouted, keeping its gun raised at me. As the zombie moved in even closer, its hideous, rotted features shifted to resemble a normal-looking man. Drop your weapons, he shouted. On your stomach, arms where I can see them. Confusion filled my mind. What the hell is going on? I thought. I could have sworn this guy was a zombie. The police officer kicked the shotgun away out of my reach and then reached into my waistband and tossed my 9mm aside. Hands behind your back, he shouted at me. Now! I did as he said and saw more police cars and officers arrive. Some of them went to the bodies of the zombies I had killed, but most just stood there and looked at me in shock with their hands on their guns. The police officer who had shot me in the leg secured my wrists with zip ties before pulling me to my feet. Pain shot through my leg as I attempted to shift some weight off of it. Franklin Brown, the officer shouted at me. You were under arrest for multiple murders. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be provided for you. My mind was still spinning from everything that just happened in the last few minutes. It took a moment for what the officer said to register. Murder, I finally managed to say. I haven't murdered anyone. I've just been killing the zombies that were roaming in the neighborhood. Zombies? One of the officers said to me as they forced me into the back of one of the police cars. There aren't any zombies. We had a call from several residents that they heard a woman scream from one of these houses. And then, when neighbors went to investigate, there were reports of a gunman shooting and killing everyone in sight. My mind was still catching up to what the officer was saying. No, they were zombies, I shouted at them. Check and see, their flesh is all rotted and decayed. Another officer stepped over to us. They're all dead, sir, she said. Gunshot wounds to the head for all of them. It looks like some had also been injured by some sort of explosive device. The officer who had shot and cuffed me looked at me with pure hatred in his eyes. What the fuck did you do? He asked in a voice that was trying to contain his rage. 
I was trying to protect everyone, I shouted, almost hysterically. My, mo my mom came home and attacked me. I trailed off, trying to remember the events of the day. I had woken up, played video games, masturbated, played more video games. My mom had said she was going to run some errands, and then when she came home, she was a zombie. Wait, I thought. She came home. So when did she become a zombie? I tried to remember harder. I couldn't remember seeing any wounds on her before she attacked me. No, I thought. Not before she attacked me. Before she came near me. The faint memory of hearing my mother scream before I stabbed her with the kitchen knife echoed in my mind, followed by more screams as I brought the meat cleaver down on her skull again and again. The only wounds on my mother's body had been the ones I had caused myself. None of the memory of the zombies outside groaning in pain after the grenade exploded and then looking up at me pleading at me with their eyes before I shot each one in the head. The faces in my mind shifted between the rotted, decayed flesh of the undead to normal, terrified neighbors I had seen almost every day. Oh, God, no, I said as I sat there in the police car, tears forming in the corner of my eyes. Oh, God, what have I done? What have I done? I hope you enjoyed Zombie or Not Zombie, as written by CTFDN newcomer Matt Scott and performed by Nick Goroff and Olivia Steele. Voice actor and 2016 Evil Idol champion Nick Goroff's talents can be found on our very own Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, as well as on past episodes of the Simply Scary Podcast. You can also join Nick on his YouTube channel, Wizard of Cause. Now to the shows. Longtime resident and powerhouse, Otis Jiry, I think that's me, who made an appearance in our first tale, has his very own show here on... Our network, Scary Stories Told in the Dark, which you can hear every Sunday night. That's true. On that note, be sure to check out the other shows we offer on our network. We have Fear from the Heartland, featuring horror stories brought to you from the Heartland, airing on Wednesdays, Eric Peabody's Horror Hill, a podcast dedicated to some of our deeper and darker tales. We hope you check him out. Drew Blood's Dark Tales airs on Fridays, featuring some southern down-homed horror. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and read Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, a five-star review and a kind word, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And, of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, 
Chilling Tales for DarkNights.com to show your support. Get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host for the evening, Otis Jari, and as always, it has been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs> You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.